Greetings and welcome to episode number 30 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I'm your host, David Zwork, and uh, right now we're going to dive right in as we often do because, uh, look, hockey season is finally upon us, and I've got a couple of great hockey minds on the pod this time around to preview uh, the Florida Panther season. So uh, joining me is uh, Local 10's Ian Margle, a former goaltender and avid follower of the Panthers, and also Roy Bellamy, producer of the Dan Levitard Show with Stu Dots. And Roy knows hockey and the Panthers better than most. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Roy, Ian, welcome to the Chirping the Cats pod. David. Sir? Always, always a pleasure. Yes, I, I love it when we can get together and talk hockey. And now there's actually, like, the season is going on. If we turn on our TVs right now, hockey season is happening. The Panthers are supposed to be playing their season opener, actually, as we're recording this on Thursday night. Uh, this is when the Panthers versus Stars season opener was supposed to be taking place. We, we'd be about halfway through it right now, but instead we're talking about their season coming up in another three days. And uh, we're, we're going to get into the roster right now because they released the roster yesterday and um, not really a ton of surprises on the roster. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't expecting guys like Gregory Denisenko to make it, um, you know, Brady keeper heading down to uh the taxi squad is interesting, but uh, I'll, I'll start with you, Roy. Is there anything that, that jumped off the roster that, that you wanted to that surprise you or that you want to kind of dive into? Well, nothing that's really surprising, uh, but obviously there is some uh, major changes with the roster going into the season um, because, I mean, you lost that enough and you lost uh, Hoffman. So there goes your offense um, and there goes your power play, but you added Duclair and you added Ongfress. So, you got a little bit of veteran uh, leadership there and you got some scoring with Duclair. Um, and obviously with Bobby and out, that's going to uh, be bad for the uh, Panthers uh, goaltender situation. But uh, Montembeau has proven in the past to be a suitable backup. Um, yeah. He's looked really and, good in training camp so far too. Mm-hmm. And Drager is obviously a good backup as well. And uh, I'm still looking forward to seeing uh, Spencer Knight, uh, up yeah. in the big leagues and the way he played in the world dreams was just phenomenal but um yeah i mean not really much of a surprise for me for the panthers um i'm a bit worried about the scoring uh they beefed up and they're gonna be a lot tougher team and obviously that was a main problem uh with team defense last season but i think they beat off beefed up a little bit and hopefully that aspect of their game get better and they'll be able to uh, not give up as many goals as they did last season or shots from uh, quality areas as they did last season. No, for sure. And that's kind of something that, uh, that Ian and I have talked about. And uh, Ian, as far as that goes on the roster, I mean, you know, Ryan Lombard's out there. We brought in Hornquest, as Roy mentioned, you've got like Henestroza, Radko Gudas. So like, it really clearly seems like the Panthers, they're going to be a much tougher team to play against. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with losing some of that offense in Hoffman, in Dadnov, you're not – look, the Panthers weren't beating people 2-1 to one most nights or 1-0 most nights. The Panthers were beating teams with five goals – by scoring five goals and winning with offense instead of winning with defense. So it will be interesting to see if that's going to translate right away. Right. So it, it, it sometimes takes some time to see if you can transition from a team that is so reliant on just scoring more goals than the opponent. And it will be to see if we can get these guys that are 
going to provide more of a presence in the, our own end uh, to see if that's going to take hold right away. That'll be interesting. Um, one of the things that you and I discussed on the last podcast I did with you was Denisenko. And I was not surprised um, in any way to see him end up in the AHL. In fact, I was pleased. And you and I talked about that. Uh, we texted about that briefly. We, it was hard to, it's hard to assume someone is going to come to the NHL from another league and just be able to come into the North American leagues and just continue doing what he was doing. I think he probably looked a step slow. I think the game was probably a little bit fast for him, and, but that's to be under to be expected from a guy that's getting to getting to this this level for the first time. So I think sending him to the AHL, not sticking him on the taxi squad, I was I'm very pleased with that. Give him some consistent playing time, uh, I guess in Syracuse, not in not in Charlotte. Uh, but yeah, I, I was, I was happy with that. Not surprised, but other, otherwise, otherwise not too surprised. I've, I've been surprised is not the best word to use with some of the lineups they've used in the last couple of practices, but this is Q and, and lineups are in a blender all the time, aren't they? So yeah. Intriguing. Surprise is not a, right. Surprise is never a word seeing, you know, but you know, we, we can, we can get into that further. Yeah, just to, to touch on Denisenko real quick uh, before we move on. Um, coming from an, an, another lead abroad on its own, as you said, Ian, is, is difficult. That He didn't get any favors done for him when he was with Locomotive in the KHL. He wasn't given prominent ice time. He was kind of buried with, you know, thumpers on a third and fourth line. He wasn't seeing power play time. How is that supposed to help a guy who's a first-round draft pick, who when he's playing for Team Russia in the World Juniors, He's top line, top power play unit. He's playing 25 minutes a night. He's seen prime ice time, big shifts. He hasn't seen that in the KHL for two and a half years. He hasn't seen that in, in his brief time here in South Florida. And during the Panthers scrimmages, he kind of blended in. And, and you know, at times it was this, as you said, the game was looking too fast for him. His feet weren't moving. It just, this isn't the dominant kid you see in world juniors. So going to the AHL should help him. The question being, how is Syracuse going to use him? Are they going to put him in a top six role? Are they going to put him in special teams? If they do that, then it'll be great for them, for him. But if he goes to Syracuse and he just gets stuck in, you know, second, third line, and he's only playing 15 minutes a game, it's, it's bad. It's not going to be good for his development at all. So the next thing I wanted to touch on, and I don't know how much you guys have been paying attention to this story, but um, Keith Yandel on the roster his Ironman streak of 800,000 games or whatever it is in a row uh, in jeopardy of coming to an end uh, on opening night. I've been somebody who's been a big defender of Keith Yandel during this time here, because I completely understand why he makes what he makes and what he brings to the table. He's not expected to be a shutdown defender. He's expected to be a guy who's going to add 40, 50 assists a season, which he does quite well. He quarterbacks a power play better than almost any defenseman in the league. However, they don't necessarily need that right now. They've got guys that can play offense in Aaron Ekblad and Mackenzie Weger. Riley Stillman has shown some offensive capabilities. They've got guys coming up with the Chase Pristies and, and the Brady Keepers that can do it. So clearly Yandel's expertise is a bit expendable right now. And it looks like, you know, based on who you're hearing from, I mean, Yandel has spoken to George Richards of Florida Hockey Now uh, this week. Bill Zito just spoke with, I believe it was Pierre Lebrun from The Athletic today. And it seems like uh, there's a lot of, not a lot of communication rather, uh, that 
if you, you know, actions speak louder than words, right? And the actions say, well, the Panthers look like they're certainly trying to get Yandel out the door and his six plus million dollar cap it for the next two years. Ian, I'll start with you this time. Is What's your take on the whole Yandel situation? And, and what do you think it ends up as the year progresses? You know, you and I have been Yandel protectors for how long now? And talking about the part of his game that he really does bring to the team. Um, I see what they're doing and sort of the emergence of Strawman, of, excuse me, of Stillman uh, this offseason, even more so. I mean, he was fine during the regular season last year, um, but it's looked like he's had a great camp uh, to see. I mean, you've got Gudas back there. You've got Forsling back there now. Where do I see Yandel? I'm not sure. Depends on his no trade clause if he decides to uh, well, decide yeah. to leave it. Um, For sure. I would not be surprised if they. I would not be surprised if this season ends and Yandel's no longer on the roster. Um, you know, and that's, I, I like Yandel. I don't love him as a defense, as a pure defenseman, but that's not what he is and never what he was supposed to be. Um, he's not even, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, he wasn't even getting power uh, first power play time during camp, was he? No, barely any power play time. Because the second power play would usually be like a Brady keeper uh, they they threw Chase Prisky out there a little bit. So Yandel got a little bit of time more earlier than camp than recently, actually. So, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you look at all the signs, and they certainly appears that, the you know, they either want him out the door or they're just phasing him out or whatever it is. And, and when you talk about a guy like Yandel, there's going to be teams out there, Roy, who will, with open arms, take a guy like Yandel who will instantly – upgrade the power play of almost any team in the league. And he's going to add a lot of points in that regard. Oh, absolutely. There's always going to be a, uh, there's always going to be room for a power play quarterback in this league, but um, obviously I'm looking past Yandel now. That's a foregone conclusion. I'm wondering who's going to replace him uh, for his uh, defensive pairing. And obviously that depends on uh, which way that particular player shoots. And uh, I think uh, coming out of last season, that McKenzie Weger has actually done well. So, I would look to him to, you know, move up probably a line. But, yeah, Weaver is uh, going to be on that top pairing with Aaron Ekblad. Better, that's one of the better, sure things. Better be the number one pair. I mean, that's it's not even close. Absolutely. Uh, but once they do move, Yandel, I'm wondering who exactly are they going to get or who they're going to target as far as what role they're looking for. Are they going to go with another defenseman? Are they going to be more defensive-minded in getting a defenseman? Or are they going to go get a defensive bind or two way forward. Yeah. And that's my question. I suppose it'll depend on for this particular situation. If you're assuming that the Panthers are going to move him, um, it, the Panthers aren't exactly going to be able to pick and choose what they want to do. It's going to be a matter of who's willing to take on that deal and what's the best that you're going to get for it. And honestly, I mean, it, depending on when it happens in the season, it's going to dictate what they're going to need to bring in because like, if it was right now today, you have to think that they could really, it could be anything across the board because you don't know what their needs are heading into the season. It looks like, looks like this is one of the deeper Panther teams that I've seen in recent memory. Uh, you know, you've got guys on this Panthers team. You know, you look at uh, Brett Connolly, uh, Vinny Hinestroza, uh, Noah Chari, uh, Frank Vetrano. These are all guys that are going to be middle to bottom six when last year these were potential top line fill-ins. So the Panthers are, are looking much deeper this year. They could flip Yandel for draft stock. 
uh, for next to nothing if they could get a team to eat most or all of his contract. Um, I really think it's just going to depend on getting finding a team willing to take him on and that he would trade that uh, waive that no trade clause for. So you think anywhere in the Northeast would be nice. Boston would be ideal. And Boston is a team right now that could use a defenseman with some offensive capabilities. They're, you know, they lost uh, Tory Crude in the offseason to St. Louis. And I, you know, I'm pretty sure I saw him last night. So could, could potentially be something that could happen there. Yeah, it's, um, not, it's not a that's not a guy. I mean, look, the, the Panthers can always use a legitimate shutdown D man, but you're not going to get a one for one D man with it with, for Yandel. You're going to have to either give up, a you're going to have to get Yandel to agree. But let's just assume Yandel agrees to to a move. You're not going to be able to get, you know, one for one a defenseman for a defenseman for that. You're either going to have to give up, you're either going to have to give up draft picks or something like that. But also, there's like you said, there's the the salary part of it, I I agree with Roy. I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's not on the roster at the end of the season. Um, I just, it's going to be hard to move him because it's going to be hard to find someone to take him. Not so, and it's, I you think- You know what? They, Bill Zito got somebody to take Mike Matheson. And yeah. He let up how many goals in the first period? Oh, he oh had my a rough God. Night. What a disaster! I feel for him too, because you know, not to get too sidetracked. I feel for the kid, man. He's such a nice guy, like a wonderful, wonderful man, kind person. Great, yeah, he's a great hockey player, but you know, he's struggled at the NHL level the last couple of years. And and talking about how good Riley Stillman has looked this training camp, by the way, reminds me last year at not at this time, but last year at training camp time, I loved what I was seeing from Mike Matheson. He looked great, better than ever. He started the year last year playing great hockey. And if you guys remember, like uh, eight or nine games in, he got hurt and he missed a few weeks. And then when he came back, it was like, you know. Oh, man, don't put that on Stillman. No, not at all. I'm just saying. No jinxing. No jinxing here. Like, I've loved what I've seen from Stillman. It's been great. The difference being with Mike Matheson, he's a first round pick on an eight year contract. That expectation was there for Stillman. It's a very pleasant not you know not a huge surprise because he did play you know play well enough last season but certainly he looks to be well improved uh based on the past and it'll be it'll be really curious whether what we've seen in training camp how good he's looked if that translates to the regular season because if it does that depth that we're just talking about it, it it grows even more so i want to get into the taxi squad with you guys uh, cause just, it's so unique and interesting this year that because of, you know, COVID and the way that it's been, um, you get up to six players to be on a taxi squad and, you know, that you'd carry them with you. They're in and out whenever you need them getting their AHL money. If they're not on the NHL team to save a salary cap. So, it, you know, it all makes sense. Um, the two forwards that were assigned to the taxi squad, a familiar name and a not so familiar name, um, Alexi Heponiemi. Great to see him looking much better than he did the last time that he was over here in North America. He just looked undersized. He underwhelming at when he did go to the AHL and uh, a year later seasoning, perhaps, you know, putting on some muscle. Uh, he looked like, you know, maybe not the, the playmaking superstar that he did three, four years ago when he was overseas, but certainly a much more improved player. And, and Ian, I know that he's somebody that you've kept an eye on in the past. Well, I mean, how do you not? I mean, the, the numbers he's putting up were video game numbers, right, before before last season. Um, certainly pleased to see that he was better. He's another guy that I think could have used some 
regular playing time in the AHL again this season, but you know, uh, not a terrible thing for him to be taxi squad either. Um, I did not get to see him in camp as much, uh, but he's a small guy who is a playmaker, right? He's a, he's a setup guy. He's, he's known for his assists. He's known for his passing. Yes. So that is certainly something the Panthers have, right? We have guys that'll shoot. Frank Vetrano is just going to rip anything that's anywhere near him at the net. Oh yeah. Owen Tippett, same kind of thing. The guy has a wicked shot. Brett Connolly, um, right. Clare, all shoot first guys. They're all guys. Yeah. Meanwhile, you have Barkov who you can't pay to shoot more often. But anyway, the Heppo is going to have a role on this team. I don't know if it's this year. I would have liked to see him in the AHL one more time. But that being said, there's not a guy that was sent to the AHL that I would replace him with right off the top right. of my head either. So um, happy well, it says something about the coaching staff that they, from what they saw in him, that they thought he sure. would, you know, he didn't need that AHL as badly as a Denisenko. Um, sure. Or a Schwinn or someone like that. Yeah. yeah or, or Chase Prisky, who he was given a lot of, premier ice time during training camp. So I was a little surprised that he wasn't on the taxi squad as well, but you know, it just goes to show that, that Q said they were going to give everybody a good look and see what they had. And, and that's exactly what they did. And, and doing that kind of takes me to the next guy on the taxi squad that I wanted to touch on um, Mason Marchment. Roy, he's, we got him last season in the trade with Toronto for Dennis Mulligan, who has been since been released. Uh, and he's now he's been waived and he's playing, I believe in the Swedish elite league this year. Um, Mason Marchman surprised me in camp. He, he jumped off the page quite a few times. He's a big guy, not necessarily with a lot of weight, but he's tall. He uses his size well, and he's got a quick first step. And uh, the power forward, I know, Roy, is someone that you've, you've enjoyed in the past. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love the guys that just get out in front of the net and cause traffic and screen the goaltenders. And if a shot comes towards him, he can deflect the puck into the net. That is the type of player. That's the hardworking player who has no caring for his own body in case, you know, he ends up getting hit with the puck. That guy, that type of, that type of guy is a guy that I love. I think he's big enough to actually get in there and direct traffic and able to screen the goaltender for shots from the point. That would be great. That would be great. 220. He's a big guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a big guy. And that's six, four, like, Sir Noel is 6'6". I was hoping that uh, he would actually get a little bit of play uh, during training camp, and he ended up, he ended up getting uh, demoted to Syracuse, unfortunately, and hopefully I'll get to see him um, during the season. But those big guys, those are the type of guys that I like to see, and uh, there, were a lot, there were a lot of small guys last season. I mean, maybe that kind of affected the team defense a little bit. but uh, Well, that's I what think- they added, right? A lot of grit and potatoes. Yeah, they had a lot of tough guys. They had a lot of big guys like Gudis, who might have seen the blacks for feet, but you know, like he's gonna be there trying to clear that crease. You know, I, I honestly, the other day I even wrote down in my notebook watching Gudis that he looked light on his feet. Like he he's got wheels. He yeah, for sure. Like just defending down below the circles. Like his head was on a swivel. He was moving. He was jumping up and down. Like I was, I was expecting a big ass kiss kicking you know, hard nosed dude. And he looked like pretty solid down there. Did you just say you were expecting an ass kissing? Is that no, what you I, and I don't want to say that about anybody, especially Radko Gudas, because he will squish my head like a grape. Probably. Like a grape. I, I have a, I, <laughs> other than Yarmir Yager, 
when was the last time the Panthers had a legitimate player who could stick himself in front of the net and be difficult to move out of the way and actually cause trouble. I'm not talking a guy to stand on the side and try to whack at the puck and try to deflect it. I'm talking about someone that'll plant his butt in front of the crease and screen the goaltender. How long has it been since you've had a legitimate player do that? Yeah. I'm, there's guys that have played that in front of the net role, but like you're talking about Yager, like that guy was like a tree stump. You couldn't move sure. him. And and so Yager and, and look, Yager is Yager is, Yager, right? He's, he's class of his own, but there's, it was something that you always hoped that Bugstad would do that. He never really did was be tough in the corners and then go plant his giant freaking butt in front of the corner, in front of the, in front of the goalie and screen him and just let shots go past him. He never really did that. The Panthers have not had a guy. So if, if Marchment can do that and, and carve out a role for himself as a hard nose, you can't move me. I'm going to move you out of my way type of guy. That's, that's someone that, you know, what deserves to be getting some time and getting, uh, getting some attention from the coaching staff. So good for him for, for making the taxi squad and good for him for possibly getting some real NHL time this year. Yeah. Like getting some real NHL time this year. No, I mean, odds are all these taxi squad guys are probably going to see, you know, some playing time at some point, just basic injuries alone, what you would think so. But then when you, when you factor in COVID and how that's, you know, already the season's a day old and, you know, one team is already the Miami Marlins them and the entire team's been at, you know, that's why the Panthers aren't playing right now. Um, Just before jumping into the defenseman on the, uh, on the taxi squad, I will say Ian, um, you're talking about a guy like Yager to, to play that in front of the net role, maybe not quite as prolific as Yager, but certainly of that playmaking hard nosed muscular don't bleep with me type of guy, Patrick Hornquist may, you know, he's a good, he's a good spot to fill that role as well. Absolutely. And we'll touch on, on uh, where he's been lining up in a minute, but um, the, the defensemen that were on that taxi squad, um, Kevin Knuton, who had a solid camp, but he was on a PTO. He, he played well, didn't play spectacular, didn't play horrible. He played very solid. And I think just that veteran presence, um, is, you know, is good to have, but then you also have Brady keeper, uh, Brady keeper showed up to camp last year, the first camp and was out of shape. It was, the team wasn't happy with him and he took it to heart and he worked his balls off in the, over the past 18 months. He came back for the bubble training camp like a new man. That's what earned him not only a spot on the bubble roster, but he actually played in one of those games against the Islanders. And so I wasn't surprised at all to see him at least on the taxi squad, if not the roster. And he's somebody, a solid defensive defenseman with also a very big offensive upside. Roy, our kind of guy, am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm hoping that that small area between the face-off circles, like, that is where most of the shots that came came from against the Panthers last season. I'm hoping that somebody is going to fill that gap, and yeah. hopefully, hopefully Kevin will be able to do that coming off of the taxi squad. Hopefully, Gudis will be able to slide us somehow slide out of the crease and be able to do that. Like, You're going to have to keep an eye on Gudis this that. year because if you see him as cement skates and I see him as winged, you know, winged blades, uh, we're going to have to meet in the middle somewhere. Uh, must have did a lot of bag skate, uh, skating uh, hey, you know <laughs> he's just got that reputation of a 
ass kicking. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, no, like just a hard nosed guy. You don't bleep with him. Like he's going to back up his teammates. So you don't really think of him as finesse in any way, but he's, I, I want to see, I don't want to, I don't want to give him any more because everything has been training camp. I want to see what happens when the season starts. Um, but yeah, so, and rounding out the, the Tatsy squad, the goalie, Philip DeRosier, the interesting part of this kind of transitioning to our next topic, DeRosier on the Tatsy squad, Montebo and Dreger on the 22 man roster. Where's Bob going to fit into this? Because Sergei Bobrovsky returned to practice for the first time on Wednesday of this week, uh, five days ahead of the regular season opener, four days, my math fails me, uh, ahead of the regular season opener. So they're not ruling Bob out for Sunday. We'll see how that works. But either way, if it's not Sunday, it's going to be soon that Bob is back on the roster. Panthers, you don't think they're going to carry three. I, the only team that I can think of in recent memory to carry three goalies was the Rangers last year when they had Lundqvist, Shesterkin, and Georgiev. Um, so, and it doesn't make sense for the Panthers to do that anyway. So you think, okay, one of Dreeder Montembeau slides to the taxi squad. That would mean DeRosier essentially going to AHL Syracuse, or do they keep two goalies in the taxi squad? It's, it's a, it's a confusing conundrum, Ian. And uh, it's one that's coming up soon with Bob returning, you know, anytime now, really. And here's a question for you, actually, David, you and I talked in the last podcast I was on, you and I spoke about this was Drieger's job to lose the number two guy it was the Drieger's job to lose. Did Montebo, did Montebo grab it from him? Is Montembeau the in your eyes, is Montembeau number two at this point? Did Monty have the camp we were hoping to see him have two years ago? Monty had a spectacular camp. Monty, yes, he had the camp we were expecting him to have the last couple of years, particularly last year when Montembeau sure. went into camp, told the backup job was his to lose, and he ultimately did lose it. He didn't lose it at the camp. Um, Dreeter has, 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 has had a bad camp. Dreeter had a rough scrimmage. The first scrimmage was rough when he gave up like seven or eight goals or whatever it was. Um, but overall, Dreeter's been fine. It's just that Montembeau's played so well and just sharp, confident, strong in, in that. Like his hands have been good. His rebound control has been really good, which is an area that Dreeter, I think, has struggled a bit in camp. And again, it's practice. So there's only so much that you can take that in because, you know, you and I both know, Ian, it's practice. You're facing 150 shots. So you're going to you're gonna handle some certain ways. You're going to work your buck or you're going to work your glove. And that's why I posed it to you in that way because I, I didn't, I don't think Drieger lost the job. You can have one bad scrimmage. And when you and I spoke, you, you mentioned it was more poor defense and kind yeah, of. Yeah, he got hung out to try multiple times. It, it, you know, look, there were a couple, you know, that were on him too, but it, one game. I mean, I was, that's why I was saying, I don't think Drieger lost it. I think Monty took it. And you know yeah. what? Good for Montembeau. It's about dang time he came out and took something. I'm happy to see him develop. I'm really happy for that guy. And honestly, I hope to see him starting on Sunday. Yeah. Oh, right. to answer your question about what happens with Bob, I got no idea. And I'm real happy they're not the paying. I'm not the one getting paid to try to make that decision. Yeah. And that's that same question I wanted to ask Roy. What do you think? Like, what's your take on the goaltending? Oh, he's at zero time on the ice. He's gone. One day. Just one day. Well, I'm He's... guessing two, because even though they were off today, kind of Bob didn't mention that he was going to practice. So, but I mean, still two days with the regular season starting after, I mean, we don't know why he was out. Was it COVID possibly? I mean, it, you know, it's the fact that he seems to have not been at the rink at all during that time. And he said he was doing, you know, limited isolated stretches and not really much, you know, 
I, you don't want to assume ever just if guessing maybe it was COVID, then that would just say he may have other, you know, it may be a little harder to get back into game shape. So, so yeah, Roy, absolutely. It's just going to come down to how healthy he is, but I guess it's a good problem to have because if Drieger and Montembeau are playing well, you know, it's not like you can make a wrong decision essentially. Right. Well, added to that, I mean, Florida's playing Chicago and Chicago's <laughs> playing without Jonathan Taze and, it's I know that's hard for you to say disaster. too. I know you're a Blackhawks fan. Yeah, it, it's a, it's been a disaster. Uh, it's going to be a disaster, and it's going to be a disaster for a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it's bad for Chicago. So I mean, it, we'll see how Montembeau plays. We'll see how Draga play. Uh, uh, we'll see how both goaltenders play because they're going to end up playing Chicago back to back, and maybe Drager ends up playing uh, on for the second game against Chicago so who knows like yeah we'll, we'll see how they play and once uh once Bob comes back we'll, we'll see how that goes down but I, I want I would not be shocked if we saw Bob get back into the starting role within a week here's a question let's say Monty and Drieger are both playing strong do you as you get toward the deadline do you start shopping one of them around you've got Spencer Knight coming you know, you know who's you know your futures in the pipeline. You know he's maybe three years out max, probably more like two. Yeah, it do just depends you, when he goes pro. Do I'd say after start, he goes pro, one year AHL. That's what I mean. So yeah. He's he's max three years out, right? Maximum. Maximum. I I'd, I'd be surprised. My guess is two. So to answer your question, do you start shopping around a Monty and a, and a Drieger or no? I don't think so because only because of this season specifically having the game so condensed, that's going to be the same way in the playoffs. You're going to need a third goalie. We saw that last year and not just with the Panthers, but across the board, if the, I, I suppose, okay. Assuming the Panthers are in a playoff chase or in a playoff spot, I think you keep your three goalies, but if they have some disaster shit show of a season, then yeah, you build up your assets. You, you start planning for next year. But if they're in any kind of a shape to make any kind of a run towards the playoffs or into the playoffs, then I maybe because I'm a goaltender, you keep your three goalies and you play insurance. Yeah. All right. Uh, lines. Lines. I want to talk about lines because something very, very intriguing happened that we haven't seen much of, and that's Barkov and Huberto have been split. And it looks like that's what they're heading into the regular season with. And if you would have told me this a month ago, I think I would have been upset. And I'll talk about it right now with you guys, and I'm excited. And I think maybe it has to do with how they both have looked apart with, with the lines that they're on, starting with the top line. And I will start with Roy this time, the top line of Carter Verhage, Sasha Barkov, and Anthony Duclair. Um, you got a shoot-first guy in Duclair, a pass-first, elite pass-first guy in Barkov, and a playmaker in Verhage. I like what I see. I like that they split the two up, and I really like putting Declare and Barkov together, Roy. It seems like a good chemistry right there uh, because you're going to have a guy that's going to set the play up uh, for Barkov and for Hagee. Barkov is going to always find the open man, and Declare is going to be blast off, blast away. Yes. So I think it's good good chemistry, and I think hopefully the second line, putting Huberto down there, would add a little bit more offense. And I just want to know what – what they're gonna, uh, what pairing is gonna happen on that line? 
Yeah, I mean, right now what they've been using lately is Alex Wenberg centering that line of Huberto on the left and Patrick Hornquist on the right. Mm-hmm. So over there, you've got Huberto and Wenberg, two playmakers that can score, but they're more pass-first guys. And you've got Hornquist, who's an alpha on the ice. Who You know, he's an amazing communicator. You know he's in charge when he's out there. I mean, he was able to do it when he was on the ice with guys like Malkin and Crosby. So being out there with a Wenberg and a Huberto, yeah, again, another line that really looks like, Ian, it's going to make some beautiful music. Here's my question. Do you see Tippett moving up and swapping with Hornquist by the end of the season and giving – I mean, look, Hornquist is a, is a great player, and I'm not going to knock him at all. But he doesn't have a Tippett shot. Not many people in this league have an Owen Tippett shot. No. For sure. I wonder, I, I like what they've been doing with Tippett. I believe it was uh, Vetrano on the left, Listerinen centering, and then Tippett on the right, correct? So um, I like that. Uh, Listerinen <laughs> is, is uh, potentially going to get a whole mess of assists this year because those are two guys that will <laughs> just grip it and rip it. Yeah. Um, Vetrano and Tippett. Uh, but my question is, do you put someone, but Vetrano's the knock on Vetrano has always been his defensive game a little bit. He gets back, but he's a little bit, uh, wild in the defensive zone. Um, but he never stopped skating. I love, I, I love Vetrano. Not an, again, not a taking yeah, a shot. His feet are always moving. My, my question. Uh, I, I guess it would have to, if you're always out of position. Maximum effort. Yeah. <laughs> but my question is halfway through this season or sooner do we see a tippet and a hornquist swaps swap yeah, it's, see it's possible scoring touch to that second line not that you know hobie doesn't have scoring touch but no you well it gets back to what we were saying earlier about the depth of this team i mean you're talking about a third line a third line with frank vetrano and owen tippet so right there and and then if that's your third line then that means your fourth line is featuring a pair of 20 goal scorers in achari and connelly so Achari, Achari, the goal scorer, Achari, the uh, two hat tricks in two games, stick on fire goal scorer. You know what? I, I, I this, I'm going to talk about this on, on the, on the chirping the cats radio show later this week, but I don't think that Achari's 20 goal outburst last year was a fluke at all. I don't. And the reason while well, watching him play, and if you watch the goals he scored last year, he has a knack for knowing how to get to the right spots in the offensive zone. It is spectacular the way that he plays in the offensive zone where he can go into the boards and, you know, earn a puck away from two defenders, keep the play moving, immediately go to the middle of the ice and find the soft spot in the D and then one time a puck into the top corner. I always, this is like, this is a stretch, but when Brad Marchand came up with the Bruins, he was not viewed as what he is now. He was viewed as a bottom six thumper that could add a little bit of offense. And clearly he's still a thumper, but he adds a whole ton of offense. And I, I see those similarities in Achari. Now that's a huge bar to set, of <laughs> course, but just, just the comparison. And I'm telling you, I don't think it's a fluke. I really do think that we're going to see another good year from Achari. I think that, you know, when you're growing up and playing hockey and, and I don't know anything about growing up. Clearly, oh, going up playing hockey, you know, when your coach, all the coaches like to say to the to the forwards is crash to the net, crash to the net, crash to the net. I'm pretty sure that's just 
like Achari's brain at all time is just get to the get to the front of the net, get that. I mean, he is the scrappy guy that you need. And I, I love Achari's game. I'm not, you know, I make jokes about I was making jokes about him being the scorer and things like that, but I love Achari's game. The fact that Achari was getting first, second line minutes at certain points last season tells you what happened last season. Achari belongs on a third, fourth line, bringing that life and bringing that grit and bringing that never going to stop moving and going to go dig it out. And you know what? Achari is the kind of guy that doesn't mind sticking himself in front of the net. He's just not big enough to not be moved, but I love it, and I wouldn't be surprised to see another 20-point season, another 20-goal season from him at all. I yeah. see him uh, actually line-flipping in-game, depending on the situation. Q's probably going to end up uh, doing some line adjustments in-game, depending depending on the situation. You're 100% right there. Achari's yeah. the kind of guy that if, like, he wants to have, like, his top line out there or the second line out there, but maybe he's not trusting, you know, Wenberg or Hornquist defensively or whatever, or especially for the defensive zone draws. You know you're going to see Achari out there. So you hit the nail right on the head with that one, Roy. Um, and, and before we wrap it up, guys, I, I want to ask you both. I want to put you on the spot. Roy, you're first. Panthers MVP and why? Man, the Panthers MVP. Wow. Uh, I, I got a couple of choices probably. I think uh, – Okay. I think uh, probably Huberdeau, uh, since he's going to get uh, – since he's going to basically lead the second line and he's going to – I think he's going to shine on the second line. He's going to get a little bit more output from his uh, fellow line mates. So I think uh, I think that's basically based on that. Yeah. He can get MVP just based on that. Well, and you can pencil him in on that top power play as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I think Mackenzie Weger. I think uh, I think he's going to shine, wow. shine. I like that. on the first defensive uh, pairing this year. So that would be lots of choices. If, if Weger ends up getting MVP from that first pairing, that, that would be interesting because Ekblad is somebody who I've got, you know, I've got locked in as a potential MVP. But what, what about you, Ian? What, what, best case scenario, obviously, but who's your Panthers MVP and why? So uh, this is going to sound like a cop-out, but I will explain myself, but it's going to be Alexander Barkov, and here's why. I think the Alexander Barkov we saw last season was not Alexander Barkov at 100%, and I will not, I will not hear arguments as to that being not the case. No, and I'm I'm with you. He was battling injuries, whether it was think, the, the I wrist think Barkov injury. I was hurt. I think Barkov was hurt from yeah. like week two of the season. I don't mm-hmm. think he ever fully recovered. I just think he's a tough guy. I think we saw. Look, did Alexander Barkov regress last season? No, but was no. Alexander Barkov the special player that we have come to know and expect? I also don't think so. I don't think he was the top. 10, 15 player that he is. Um, I think Alexander Barkov has a resurgent season. Um, and then as a, as a guy that uh, an under the radar, uh, as an under the radar adding to this team, I think Carter Verhage has a chance to add some serious skill to this team. I think, I don't think he's going to be the MVP I think he may be my biggest surprise, but is it really a surprise? Because it's a surprise when you look at that they got him for a million dollars a year and he's starting the season. On Jonathan Marcheseau 2.0. <laughs> and he's somebody that I know that you've kind of been mentioning since the Panthers got him. So I know that uh, Verhage 
<laughs> I know that for Haiti is, is Ian pans over to his cat. Uh, you guys can't see that because you're only listening to the podcast. So I will describe why I'm laughing. Audio Ian decided to pan his camera. <laughs> massive cat. Um, big boy. <laughs> but I mean, Roy, when you look at those uh, those offseason signings, like the Carter for Haiti, the Gudis, the Wenberg, the uh, Hinnestrosas, all the offseason acquisitions, are there any that like really got you excited? Well, I see a lot of uh, familiar faces, according to uh, Bill Zito, because you've seen most <laughs> of them. Uh, but, you know, if he's comfortable with what he saw, I mean, getting Declare and getting Winberg, I mean, that, that that's that he is most definitely comfortable, comfortable with those guys. So I think I think it will work out. I think it will work out this season. And, like uh, but this is a tough division and uh, nobody's going to catch Tampa anyway. So um, hopefully, hopefully they'll end up being in fourth place. Uh, but I see a lot of promise in this team. I see, I see them being better defensively. I see them still scoring goals. I think this team is going to do well this season. Nice. So that was going to be the last thing I wanted to ask you was, do you see the Panthers making the playoffs? So Roy, you've got them as a four seed. You've got them in the playoffs. I got, no, I got them fourth in the division. Yeah. Four, four <laughs> fourth seed in the division. division. No, yeah. but well, and then, you know, you're, you're, you're probably playing Tampa. Which yeah, is, I guess which is a the playoff series we've all been wanting, right? We've been I, personally, I want I want to see these teams play in the playoffs. Maybe maybe now isn't the best time to start that tradition with how good Tampa is. But hey, the season's only starting. Um, Ian, are they in? Are they out? Be honest. Let's go. Ian just took a giant uh, sip of scotch. <laughs> I finished my. I already finished my beer, so I can't take a swig before I say this. Uh. If they're in there a four, I see them probably five. Yeah. I see them. I see them as five and I see it. Um, I see Tampa. I see Dallas. I mean, it's a, it's just a tough division, man. It's just a tough division. I, I see them. I see them as five. I hope, I hope I'm kicking myself uh, and that they're three or four uh, come playoff time. I mean, you, you know, you got Detroit and Chicago bringing up the rear. And yeah. I've seen some people saying that the Panthers would bring up dirt the last in the division, which is not great. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, look, you don't you don't know what you're getting from Nashville this year. Um, they're, they're always going to be good, though. Columbus is going to be so strong defensively. Dallas is, I mean, they were at the top last year, right? So, uh, you know, they were this close. Um, so it's... And, and we always have trouble with Carolina and Columbus, no matter what. I don't know why the Panthers always have trouble with Carolina and Columbus. So I see them as five. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I don't think I am, but I hope I am. I, I, I'm actually, the more I've watched them in training camp and I've listened to them, and obviously maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit, but um, I see a lot of problems that were potentially solved with this team. I, the holes that I saw in the roster last season, I, I really don't see them right now. And, and you talk about the depth, which is always going to come into play. You're always going to have injuries. And, that, you know, that's another place where a lot of teams get screwed. Um, I think the Panthers actually could be a three seed. I, I think that you got Tampa at the top, obviously. I think that Carolina actually is a, is a I'm sorry, not Carolina, Columbus actually is a two seed. Dallas and Florida would be battling three and four. And I don't think uh, Carolina gets in. I think mm-hmm. Carolina the big issue they didn't address is their goaltending. And I think that's going to really come back to bite them in this division. Um, and then obviously after that, you've got 
you know, the team's fighting for the draft picks, but no, I think, I really think that Bill Zito did a great job of, of addressing problems with this team. And if that happens, if they fix defensive zone, which in turn helps your goaltending, which the Panthers have a lot of good goaltending, they've got plenty of guys that can score. It's just like, I feel like the past history of the Panthers, it's what, it's what kind of drags me away from how I'm feeling about this team, but I'm very bullish. The more I've seen them, the, 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 like last year we got, we got to see Q and how he likes to run these high paced practices, but they've been spirited. They've like just heart, like the games, the scrimmages have been, you don't see that usually from a practice, just the effort, the, the way that they're communicating with each other. I, uh, I don't know. I may be setting myself up to get heartbroken once again, but I, I really do like what I saw guys. Well, oh, this is barring injury and COVID. So well, anything yeah. that happens and we've seen it in the past, several seasons anything that happens injury wise is going to set this team back but as you said it's a deep team so there's going to be somebody coming up and taking the place of whoever's going to get injured or sick so uh that's pretty bold they're third uh third place in the division there dave that's i'm a bold, bold. yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> no they're not they're not gonna if they're gonna get in i don't think they're just gonna squeak in at the end of the year if they're gonna get in this year i think it's gonna be a solid you know, whatever, not full season, 56 games, but like, you notice how nobody's talking about the one thing that everybody always seems to talk about before the Panther season. And that's, Oh, we need to get off to a good start this time. And we need to make sure that we don't fall on our face. I haven't heard that from anybody. Nobody's, nobody's asking them about that. Nobody's talking about that. That's, that's so far beyond with this team, this professional team of veterans of guys that know how to win. It's, there's just too many reasons for them to succeed. I just, I see it happening. Call me crazy. You're crazy. I hope no. I hope I hope you're correct. I, I hope. I, look, I hope you're right. Uh, if it is a five seed, like I, I, I guess I think it's a heartbreaking five seed. I don't think it's a they were the best of the bottom three. I think it's a they were fighting for four and and weren't quite there. Uh, yeah. And not because not because they're not greatly improved. But look, I, I hope that I get a whole bunch of hate on social media for that, and I hope that. Uh, someone at the end of the season says hey look we're a three seed you're an idiot so i, I hope it's me because that would mean i'm right also i don't want to call you an idiot because i like you but you know oh i am an idiot so feel free well for non-hockey reasons yes but this is a hockey bubble that we're in right now my brother and i played hockey together uh for a few years and of course it was i margle and his last name was m uh his first name is matt so it was m margle and one woman asked my mom once, said, what do the I and the M stand for? And my mom thought she was kidding. So she said, idiot and moron. And the woman just stared at her. <laughs> goes, oh, no, no, it's Ian and Matt. And this but, is uh, also the guy who was just complaining about his fiance playing a banjo when you were, in fact, the one that bought her the banjo. And, and you guys hear her tuning the banjo in the background? It's music to my ears. <laughs> Un, not intended. So she's one of those uh, folk singers, like. No. <laughs> dinga, dinga, dinga. No. She, uh, this is this is this is a new. Uh, this was a new uh, obsession that she. Wasn't that like the the dueling banjos at the no, Billy's? No, it's usually one of those uh, like commercials where you see some white lady uh, playing the banjo. <laughs> ding, ding. There's, there's somebody's not like blowing into one of those. <laughs> there's not much musical talent in this household, so. Uh, <laughs> She's been tuning that banjo since we started this podcast. We've been going for about an hour. Oh, I, there's your there's your answer. 
All right. And, and you got to find a C chord. The C chord is usually where you go. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're going to end this before we get too far off the rails. Uh, but so that's going to do it for episode 30 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. Amazing that we've had 30 episodes already. Um, a huge thank you to local 10 Ian Margle and to Roy Bellamy, producer of the Dan Levitard Show with Shoot Two Dots, the new show podcast available wherever you download your favorite pods. Uh, I'm told that the quality is just as good, and I, and I tend to believe Roy when he tells me that. Yeah, uh, we didn't change a thing except we added some profanity. So uh, yeah, it's well, <laughs> a little profanity, you know, never really hurt any. You know, I, I I'm so tempted to just jump a little Will Ferrell like uh, earmuffs moment, but no, I will err on the side of uh, maturity for a change. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, thank you to both Ian and Roy, and and thank you to everybody who's listening. Uh, Please be, be sure to check out my Panthers coverage on Local10.com. You can download the Local10 app as well. And uh, follow me on Twitter at David Dwork for daily coverage of the Cats. You can follow Ian Margle at, is it Ian Margle Local10? Ian Margle WPLG. WPLG. And Roy is at Roy Belly. That's right. So give us all a follow and uh, tweet us. Let, let us know what you think. Give us your Panthers thoughts, all that good stuff. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Uh, give a good rating. And, and as I said, please feel free to reach out on Twitter, email, whatever, whatever. And uh, let me know what you think. So again, thank you to Ian. Thank you to Roy. I've been Dave. Episode 30 of Chirping the Cats. The next time we, uh, we do one of these, a season will be started. So looking forward to that. Everybody be safe. Wear your mask. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you soon. Go Panthers. I've been Dave. <laughs> I was going to say the exact same <laughs> You beat me to it by maybe two seconds. <laughs> I didn't even realize I said that. That's awesome. Who are you now? You're yes. in my stomach and laughing too hard. Awesome. And later you're gonna be done. <laughs>